You're listening to the Cool People Podcast, hosted by Jim the Boss. set for most of your life. Well, I've actually never used one. You've never used a lab before? Not on me personally. Wow. You're quite the, uh, quite the I don't like to pioneer. hear my voice. You're quite the pioneer today. You're, you're a man of, um, of technology. Are you, are you going to let um, AI start writing scripts for you eventually? ChatGBT. Yeah. Ugh. I had chat. G- actually downloaded it just to see what it was. I had uh, chat GBT uh, write me some Mitch Hedberg jokes the other day, and it did really well. Yeah, it's... I could be a stand-up comedian now. You always could. <laughs> you always could. So we're not using these? Nah. Okay. You see how I'm, like, way more comfortable? I'm, like, yes. lounging out. Yes. Nobody could see this, but I'm lounging, and right. you're just sitting. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, test it out. Make sure it's just getting I'm gonna signal. do my vocal exercises. <laughs> so yeah, man, twenty years since we were uh, in film school. How crazy is that? That's fucking crazy. Like I, I was like, "There's no way that was twenty years ago," and sure enough, it was. Yeah. Lots happened in twenty years, and nothing has <laughs> happened. Yeah. When I when I when I said oh it was twenty I was like oh crap what the hell have I done for the past two decades? <clears throat> I've dealt with a lot of crazy people. Yeah, I know that. Did you think you'd be uh, still doing this twenty years later? Yeah. Yeah. When you were a kid, were you like Steven Spielberg with the Super Eight and shooting movies in your backyard? Um, I wasn't shooting movies, but I was taking photos a lot I had every type of camera like yeah Polaroid cameras like my dad bought me a new video camera every year um, and but I was never really making movies I would say until I was 18 until the film academy um, I was writing a lot I started writing when I was 10 and like full-on scripts mm-hmm with like interior day, yeah. this kind of shit. Yeah, I really? mean that's what I would do. Like obviously, when I was ten, I couldn't go anywhere alone. <laughs> but <laughs> my dad and he would take us to Borders. You remember Borders? Yeah. <laughs> um, and they would sit in like they had this cafeteria or whatever. Well, I don't know. And like we would usually go after we would see a movie, and my dad and my sister would be there eating, talking about the movie, and I would be in the script section studying scripts. That's hilarious. Yeah. Interior day, borders. Yeah. <laughs> at the mall. And it was yeah no it was some really terrible scripts but, um, but I, that's how I learned format. That in the library. Did you? Uh, did you ever like go back to those old scripts for any ideas? You were like, nah, fuck this. I wouldn't say ideas, but um, like the new show we have coming out, Shadows, one of, I wrote a TV series when I was 11, 23 damn, episodes. Bro. 23 episodes of a TV, <laughs> what is this TV, is this gonna be like? No, no, it was terrible, it was terrible. <laughs> um, but it was called Shadows of Life. Okay. Um, so like, the themes and stuff like that. Um, so, because when I was younger, I didn't really have my own ideas yet. <laughs> I would watch a television show and be like, that's interesting, and then kind of build off of that. Mm. Um, and then take some stuff that was going on in my own life. Um, but I still didn't know, how, of course, how to write dialogue or structure or mm. anything like that. So it was more just just writing. I remember one Thanksgiving, um, I wrote a horror script. It was about 100 pages. The day of Thanksgiving, I didn't come down. Like I started at 8 a.m. and everyone kept knocking on my door like, dinner's ready. I'm like, all right, just 10 more pages. And then it was like 12 o'clock and everyone left. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't take you for a horror script kind of guy. I really like horror. 
and I was obsessed with horror when I was younger, particularly, well, like, I was around 11 when the first Scream came out. Mm, okay. Um, so the same year, or I guess two years later, I Know What You Did Last Summer, Urban Legend, which they're not good horror movies. Uh, Scream is, I still like Scream, Halloween. Um, and, but I, I tended to like <clears throat> the psychological aspect of what the horror films dealt with. And I liked that Scream was the first horror movie that I had seen that dealt with also comedy. Well, like spoofing it. I'm surprised you haven't seen <clears throat> Ash vs. Evil Dead, man. <laughs> so awesome. No. I did, yeah, I didn't know you were a horror guy. Yeah. So you're more of a traumatic man. I mean, I am. <laughs> um, but I love, love seeing good horror. Um, I was actually really happy, speaking of Scream, that they rebooted. Um, I thought the new ones, particularly with Jenna Ortega, had a really fun um, new energy. Um, and, like, Ari Aster, Hereditary, Midsommar. Um, but I tend to not like horror that is grotesque for grotesque purposes. Mm. Like just cutting off skin or, you know. Then you'll hate the evil dead. I'm sure I will, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's all it is. Um, but it's very comedic because Bruce Campbell is more like a... Right. And I understand the, those are specific, but there are also horror films that I think are... Um, violent to be violent and I think a good example of that is um, the Halloweens mm. um, prior to David Gordon Green um, they they really took the violence to another level where like every person being stabbed was stabbed like 30 times <laughs> and I'm like okay <laughs> um, sure so, what about Hellraiser? Did you see Hellraiser? I haven't. No. Oh my God! You call yourself a horror man? I don't. This this <laughs> this audience is going to be so displeased with you. I don't even know who they the are. audience is yet. Yes, but whoever they are, <laughs> I, I aim to displease. <laughs> so, um, oh wait, so Shadows is a remake of the Shadows of it's Life. Not. No, no, okay. no. Um, I was just saying in terms of like titles. You know, sometimes I think back to um, other works I I did that were terrible thematically, um, but had good titles. Yeah. <laughs> well, that Shadows of Life, that was the first uh, thing I ever did music for, and that was pretty sweet. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. All that cool guitar shit. Yeah, that was. And she... Uh, I don't really remember much of that movie other than the fact that didn't she have like 30 bottles of chocolate milk in her refrigerator? She did, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I like chocolate milk. I could totally uh, relate with this woman. <laughs> I know. I'm obsessed with chocolate milk. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I didn't know that you uh, were doing that, but that makes sense. You know, you're passionate about it, obviously. You've gotten this far in life with it. Um, I was thinking about this also the other day because a friend of mine, when I went back to school again for audio, uh, he was saying, he goes, yo, you know, me and you are like the only people that like did anything. He goes, everybody else just kind of yeah. farted out. And then I was thinking, how many people from that academy ever did anything? Yeah, I'm not sure, really. Um... I don't keep up with <laughs> everyone, yeah. Um, but but yeah, I think people went through like different phases. But I think the thing about the New York Film Academy, particularly, is it is such an intensive program. You do get to kind of understand what filmmaking is in every aspect, and I think probably lose sixty percent of your class in the first week yeah. in terms of passion. Yeah. It's like, oh, I thought being a director was just like sitting back. Like, I didn't know you had to know this and this yeah. and this and this. And that's what I went there for a couple different semesters. And 
And I often found that people were kind of disenchanted when they found out like what it was. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. The same thing when I went back to school. Like we started out like, I started in Florida and um, we had like 25 kids in the class and then the next Monday there was 10. Mm. They were all like, fuck this. Yeah. So it makes sense. Well, you can't do any of this stuff unless you're somewhat passionate about it, right? Absolutely. I mean, it it takes a lot emotionally, I think. So if you don't have passion behind it, and even if you do, Mm -hmm. I mean, there are just days where you're like, why? Yeah. Like... I think that all the time with everything. Yeah. So don't worry about it. Um, but I think it's the passion that brings you back. Um, for, I know people say this quote a lot, and I don't know who it's attributed to, but it's that if you could do anything else, do it. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> uh, goes for actors, musicians, writers. Like, it's such grueling at times work. Uh, where you're using every part of yourself um, and actors particularly with all the rejection that feels personal mm-hmm. um, they say if, if you can do anything else and be happy do it Yeah. but most of the people that stick around the answer is they can't not that they are not able to but that they don't have the passion for other things yeah yeah I mean that makes sense you know I'm still doing what I've been doing for all my life so you know yeah and, and that's the thing is like when you wake up to do it each day there are some days that you're like whatever <laughs> um, but like for me you don't think about it you don't think like I have to get up and, and do this day you just get up and do it yeah it's um, it's second nature and and I think, like, when it... And I don't mean that in the sense of even routine, but just... I find that people who have to say, I am this or I am that, are not. Yeah. <laughs> like, I am a musician, and, like, I know this, or I am a writer. Like, as opposed to just being it. Um, and, and it took me a while to kind of feel that way. Where, like, I don't need to prove that I'm a writer or a filmmaker or a director. Um, I just am, and you can come see the work, and hopefully you enjoy it. But if you don't, you know... uh, I mean, there's some reviews that are hard to read. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, gosh, you know... I, I don't like doing the comparison game. Um... But sometimes, if you get a bad review, go to the New York Times and read what they're reviewing on Broadway (laughs) and know that it's not just you, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And and it doesn't make it easier because every review, and I try to not read as many reviews. I say that, but then I read them Mm -hmm. um, because also... I'm running the company. So, like, if they say something bad about me, but they say something good about the people in it, you know, I'm proud of it. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to say, like, let's not read a review, and then, you know, everyone else gets a good review. Um, which has happened on shows of mine, where, like, I've been reviewed well, and, like, 70% of the actors have been reviewed well, but two actors aren't. Mm. Um, and it's like... And when the show's still going on, like, the question is, do we show this review now? Like, is it going to affect... And with professional actors, it doesn't. It doesn't really... I mean, it affects them, but not to the point where it's going to affect the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so reviews are necessary, but, you know, just they're hard. I remember, like, in independent music, like, there seems to be, like, some unspoken rule or whatever not to give bad reviews if you're going to give a bad review just don't do it at all Mm. like and I ran into that for the last like decade and I was I was like man I really want a bad review because I'm sick of like reading good reviews yeah (sighs) and I think it also depends on what you consider a bad review because I used to review films for a living and when I did 
you don't want to be a reviewer who's like, this is great, this is great, this is great. But coming from someone who has been reviewed, you want to review in how it could be constructive. Um, and also understand that it's your opinion, mm-hmm. right? Like a lot of reviewers are, don't see this movie because it's terrible, yeah. right? Um, which is, that's fine, that's your opinion. Mm-hmm. Whereas like when I was reviewing stuff, it would be like, this didn't make sense to me. Um, or <clears throat> something I'm not a fan of is when reviewers say it should be this. Yeah. Um, because that's their preference of how the story should go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think like bad reviews are like you shouldn't be an artist, <laughs> which has been said in reviews. Really? <laughs> Not about me. Oh, but, okay. Like, um, I was gonna say, wow. But I mean, I've I've gotten mostly mostly positive feedback when we have been reviewed there have been reviews that have like demolished me because there's one sentence I'll just pick apart there's just like they'll say like like when I was starting to direct they were like he is a stronger writer than he is a director and for like a year I was in bed I'm like (laughs) that's awful Uh, and it was not an insult (laughs) um but um, now I just think like with reviews, I, I try to, number one, see if I agree with it and see if I can learn from it. With theater, well, actually with theater and film, because um, once you open a show, you don't make changes, but you can make changes for the next show. Yeah. Um, like if it tours or something like that. With film, it's, it's done. Um, so it, there's almost no point to necessarily reading. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, unless you're going to do a recut or something like that. Um, so, and some people just don't care. Some people just are like, I work with this 14-year-old, Alexandra, and she has such resiliency. And um, she was like, I don't care if people say something bad, then they're stupid. <laughs> I'm like, she's like I. She's like I know I wasn't bad today. That's that's how everybody should be. Yeah. Because when you really think about it, it's like the only reason why we look forward to reviews is because they're in a publication. And a lot of people read that, and right. then, you know, people people are gonna read the review, go whatever, and go see it anyway. And the people that actually see it, they're gonna enjoy it for the most part. Exactly. You know, I think it's different when you're on like a bigger level, like on Broadway or something like that, where reviews can close a show. Yeah. Um, and they can, and Bad Cinderella is a great example of that right now. Um, it got closed because it, it didn't reviews. get closed yet, but they're talking about closing it. Wow. Um, and it's just been badly reviewed since London. Um, and and so in that way, I mean Frank Rich, who was a um, a reviewer for the Times, um, like if he came to see your show on opening night, and he didn't like it, the show would close. Really? Yeah. Like he had the power to uh, just influence audiences where they would just stop coming. That's crazy. Um, and in a sense, there's still some of that, but I think audiences don't always go to reviews now. Um, and some of the reviewers are, you know, they kind of have hit and miss records for um, where their opinion lies with the public. That's so crazy. That it's just based on one random dude's opinion. Yeah. You know? Usually white. <laughs> Sounds about white to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's like not like you know about anything about this guy other than these reviews you know it's not like he's sitting somewhere and you're having a conversation with him yeah no it's just it's the power of the press and power of the times um and and what the new york times represents in the theater community yeah they represent a lot in a lot of communities so weird
wonder if New York Times will exist in like 500 years. I don't know that we'll know. <laughs> <laughs> when AI takes over, it's called the AI right. Times. Right, yes. We'll check in. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking uh, with the AI stuff, you know, I always have these ideas for like scripts and stuff that I've told you over the years, but to get myself to actually sit down and do it is a other thing entirely. And I was like, well, I could just tell the AI thing to to do all the stuff that I don't want to do. I'll just give it the basic characters and premise, and then it just goes to work. And I'll do it real quick. Then I'll just make any changes, you know. Yeah. Edit. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. That's my next. <laughs> I'm excited to see the outcome. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I can't wait to see what this AI has in store for <sighs> my idea. <laughs> I can just see it. It'll just be a whole 90 minutes of everybody walking around in a circle because the AI just forgot what it wrote, like, paragraph yeah, before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be a great movie, though. I would, I would, I would love to see... Uh, I, would, I, I would see that. The first AI movie. People walking around <laughs> the circles. I mean, be interested to see how people respond to it. <laughs> Well, I know a lot. I mean, AI right now is kind of divided. Like, well, people are using it for nefarious purposes. Yeah. Like, uh, what was it? Sony Records or something pulled some song last weekend. Uh, Drake and the Weekend or something. It was like AI vocals over some random music that someone made. And they uploaded it to Spotify. Mm -hmm. And it, like, got, like, millions of streams and then Sony was like that's not them it's fake <laughs> <sighs> well by the time people listen to this that will be months ago true yeah but they'll know what I'm talking they'll, about they'll know they'll, I'm sure they'll, they'll be, google it yeah there'll be tons of AI songs by the time <laughs> exactly the that time. was just the first yeah um, so yeah man uh, what are you doing a show right now, or are you guys preparing for a show? We're preparing. Um, so we have, which I guess this won't matter, but we have a fundraiser <laughs> next month. <laughs> um, so we're preparing for that. And Thanks for donating, everybody. Yes, thank you, guys. <laughs> it was helpful. Um, and, yes, yeah, so then around early, well, yeah, maybe mid-spring we'll go um back into the room for shadows and start prepping it for december so spring you, you went into the in into the preparation how did the preparation go yeah the preparation was great the show was a success <laughs> new york times review it was crazy it was so good so um yeah no but we just had the reading um that was uh a couple of weekends ago and that that went really well we got good feedback and um it was the first time the show was on its feet pretty much yeah um and yeah very very interesting um just responses to the show too um it's a very different show than i've done before because um, it deals with two two heavy topics in one show, which I've never done before, um, talking about the coincidence of trauma. Um, so it's it's a an interesting balance for the show to not make it feel too heavy. Yeah. Oh yeah, with the company, are you using like the same actors for every show? No. Oh. Um, we have actors who uh, are in um, different productions, and then some actors I use like each year, um, like Katia Mendoza, who is playing Ariana in Shadows. I worked with her last year on Girl with the Red Hair. Haley Foss, who is also in Shadows, will be in the show Duality next year. Um, Liv, who is the lead in Shadows, was producing Girl with the Red Hair. So there's a lot of overlap. That's cool. It's kind of like American Horror Story. Yeah, anthology. Yeah. <laughs> so when you have like a, like a script, right? Mm -hmm. 
dealing with something like trauma, right? Uh, this actor or actress may not know anything about that. So how do you translate what's on the page to the stage? There you go. You could use that line. Thank you. I will. <laughs> I will. Um, so the first step, depending on what the role is, would be research. Um, and and also just, just trusting the actor. Um, trying to see what part of that experience we want to bring out and and what part might be relatable and what part might be new yeah that makes sense like how much uh, like how much of it is you versus them or is it like a 50-50 to, to get that character yeah I, I think it's 50-50 um, I think they're building off of what is written um, and then bringing themselves into it and, and the research that they need to do in order to properly understand if it is something that is foreign. Like right now we're dealing with young onset dementia, so that is different than dealing with something that might be a little more mainstream, such as uh, depression or anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Dementia, Alzheimer's, very um, not well understood even by doctors. No, especially young onset. Yeah, I can't yeah. imagine that. You have the permission to throw the pillow over me if that <laughs> happens. Yeah. Um, and I think people are more used to it in men or women in their 50s um, but we're telling a story about you know a 30 year old woman who has it um, and it's I mean it, it's it's also devastating in addition because most of the times it's unrecognizable most of the times forgetting your keys or something like that is not a symptom when you're in your 30s. Yeah. So w where does this all come from? Like, did you see something like about this and go, hey, I want to do this or? No, I, I am just really fascinated with memory. Um, and then I had started to see some research about the uprising of young onset, which has gone up 200% uh, from 2017 in women in the East between the ages of 30 and 62. Hmm. Um, and you, again, you usually don't hear about cases under 50. Um, so for there to be such a dramatic increase and to be, I think, as a society, kind of really unaware of that increase was interesting. What are the uh, symptoms for uh, the... For young, young onset? Yeah. So they vary because they, the stages vary. Hmm. Um, so it's, it's different in terms of then the stages of cancer, as an example, because when you say you are in uh, stage one of cancer, you can uh, talk to doctors about treatment and stuff like that. Once you are in stage one of young onset, there's no cure. Mm. Once you're diagnosed with it, you have it. Damn. And stage four of cancer would be um, you know, that the treatment is not working and stuff like that. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're not functioning. It just means uh, the cancer is no longer treatable, right? Stage four of dementia, um, you have no idea who you are. Yeah. Um, sometimes in certain cases, you your bodily functions stop. Like you forget how to swallow. That's... 
I lived with, my grandmother lived with me for the last 10 years of her life. She had Alzheimer's. Mm. I didn't even know anything about it. But afterwards, I was like, whoa. No, and what's crazy is we'd go to the hospital and the doctors would ask us the dumbest questions. Like, you're a doctor. You don't even know about this? No. They would be asking her things. I'm like, yo, you know she can't, like, right. you know, not, like, shit her pants right now. Yeah. Like, she's like a baby. Yeah. And they were like, oh, you're just being funny. And she's, like, puking in the corner. And they were like, did you eat something? I'm like, this woman has Alzheimer's. What's wrong with you people? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just an absolutely terrifying disease. It is. Um, well, they did have a breakthrough. Didn't they figure out that it's, like, uh, calcified, like, plaque on the brain or some yeah. shit? Yeah. I mean, there, there have been definitely advancements. Um, but unfortunately not advancements and you know it's still untreatable yeah um and in young onset there is an accelerated death rate damn really i forget a lot lately i, I should go get a test and say yeah. it freaks me out like that i forget so quickly uh, yeah i think i think it i think it's common to uh to feel that way um but you know, and and there are symptoms that that can attribute that uh, attribute to that rather, but um, it, it really, when you get to a certain stage, and this is kind of what the play talks about, is you realize it has to be something. Yeah, it can't just be like it can very much start with like you putting your keys somewhere and never remembering and or putting your keys in the freezer and thinking you put them on the hook um kind of weird things like that um but you know when it gets to like you stepping outside your apartment and not recognizing where you are or how to get back um that's where that it, it really starts to get to the point where like th this is this is worrisome. Yeah, I definitely don't have that. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's um, what I learned is that uh, people with Alzheimer's, like certain parts of their personality, will be like magnified. Mm -hmm. And uh, like my grandmother was always like the sweet old nice lady. Like every time I go over, Italian woman. Oh, let's you know, I'll make you food or whatever. Not like that when she had Alzheimer's. Yeah, she was like, her, she 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 must have had like an obsession with like money at some point. She was super obsessed with like keeping things. Yeah, that's like she would steal yeah. the mail. We had to like put a lockbox on the mail because yeah. she would steal everybody's mail and then like hide it or, around the house. Yeah. Um. Any like anything that resembled money, she would steal it and like hide it in random places. Yeah. And uh, sometimes she would get like really agitated and I didn't know what to do. So like I was like the only thing I could do right now is like make her busy. But I can't be the one trying to make her busy because she's trying to like kill me right now. Right. So I actually used to um, photocopy money and hide it like in plain sight. And then for like hours she would be going around like taking a photocopy and I know people are going to listen to this think I'm crazy but trust me living with someone like that you don't you're you don't know what to do yeah you know um uh <laughs> she she would find like the photocopy dollar and then just like disappear in her room for like an hour I'm like oh thank god <laughs> and and it it would just like to the point that I petered her out and she would go to sleep but then they have that sundowning thing that at just random times at night, like two o'clock in the morning, they'll just try to escape. And you know how many how many Alzheimer's <clears throat> patients out there like just wander away and then get killed because they don't know. Yeah. And that happens really often. They yeah. just disappear and you never hear from them ever again. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't explain to anybody because it would take a year to explain to them like how how crazy it is. Yeah. And people are like, oh, why don't you put her in a home? And I'm like, because that shit costs money. And yeah. we don't have any. <laughs> right. So this is the other alternative. Yeah. 
are you putting any of this like odd behavior in it because people you know they do do that stuff yeah well our show focuses more on on the earlier stages mm, okay so um, not like the later stages where they're right like just a vegetable exactly yeah Dude, i can't imagine that like i'm saying man throw the pillow over me i don't want to live like that yeah no it's it's really devastating i i you know, I, I don't know if there's ever been a movement in New Jersey for, like, assisted uh, suicide from doctors. I know they have it in California, mm -hmm. but they really should do that for Alzheimer's patients. They make money off of them being alive. Mm -hmm. That has to be the only reason. I can't see why anybody in their right mind would look at someone like that and go, yeah, let's keep them alive. They're having a grand old time choking on their food and, you know. Yeah, I don't know. People think... Um I think I mean it, it's the case with with any disease, is you know when it when it gets so bad the person that they know is still there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's pretty pretty crazy. Yeah. I I think maybe I think the thing is is that most people don't experience yeah that so they for them to even fathom making a law. Like that, they, they go, I, I would never be able to do that. But you haven't lived through it, so how would you know? Yeah. What, where were you stuck during the pandemic? Mostly Connecticut. Oh, so you were away from the zombie apocalypse that was occurring. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was here for like, um, like when it started, maybe like a, a week and a half. And then, uh, you know, went to Connecticut thinking it wasn't going to be that long then just wound up staying there then I came back in um, I think May of 21 right you were gone for a whole year pretty much yeah were you paying your apartment the whole time no I had sold uh, well no I, I had um, left my apartment and then I think from March till August, I was paying, even though I was in Connecticut thinking that we would come back. Then as things started to get worse, then I gave it up. And then from like August till May, stayed in Connecticut and then got a place. Huh. Yeah, that, that place where your dad lives is really fun. <laughs> that yes. one time I came up, I didn't realize how far it was going to be. Yeah, it's from... From the city it's about like two and a half yeah yeah but it's really nice though it is yeah they have a they have a nice place there i didn't know that porta potty companies made um plastic sinks and soap dispensers I, I until i either. went to your dad's yeah. well, <laughs> i was like wow this guy just to be clear brings you, them all out you came for a party yeah <laughs> like we don't just have yeah porta -potties. we don't have just porta potties <laughs> in your front lawn um, but yes. yeah his house is really cool too I remember, uh, doesn't he have like a weird chair in, in the bathroom? Remember you showed me that. You were like, dude, why is there a chair in the bathroom? And you were laughing hysterically about it. And I was like, I don't know, to sit down maybe? I don't remember that. <laughs> You're like, yeah, but who sits down in the bathroom? And I'm like, I do. I wish I had a chair in the bathroom. <laughs> I'd sit on the toilet seat and it's not very comfortable. Sometimes you just want to sit down. Oh, I think, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, he had like some old school, like flowery, yeah, fabricy, yeah. non bathroom type chair in there. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, yeah, dude just wants to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> probably that cushion probably smells really bad from all the humidity, but yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, he had a cool place. It's cool, dude. You still live there? At the same place? Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. He's, uh, you know, goes between there and Florida during the year. Oh, Florida. Huh? Yeah. Where, where in Florida? Boca. Mm. Boca Raton. Yeah. What a place. Um, I'm not too sure. He lives uh, not, not too far from the airport, I don't think. Yeah. Mm. You like Florida? No. Yeah, me neither. No, I went, I went to school there, and I did not like it. Where'd you go? Where'd you, oh, yeah, you went to Full Sail, right? Yeah. Where, where was that? In Orlando. Uh, 
Hey, Orlando's cool. It has Disney. Sure. <laughs> kind of. I mean, it's outside of Orlando, but... Yeah, no, no. It's... Uh, I went there for a year. It was fine. Um, you know, my family likes to go there. They like to vacation there. And I have not been there in almost 10 years. Yeah, I had gone... The only time I ever went to Orlando was for Disney twice. And, you know, I, that, that's what I thought Orlando was. And then a friend of mine lived there, like, ten years later. And I really got to see what Orlando really looked like. And I was like, oh, I get it now. It's not that great. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's something. It is kind of weird, though, that, like, if you go downtown on a Friday or Saturday night, they, like, close all the streets off, and there's just, like, hundreds of people just walking around. Yeah. And that, and then you also get like crazy church people that come out, and then they yell at everybody. They're like, "You people are going to hell." <laughs> yeah, I'm like, "This is a very strange place." It is strange. Yeah. You, uh, what's your podcast going to be about? It's just about the company, things that we're doing, oh, that's cool. uh, interviewing company members, things are like you guys that. About shows, it or is it just audio? Just audio. Yeah, it's the way to go. Yeah, filming takes a lot, especially lights and all that. Yeah, you got to do it in the right schedules. Place. Yeah, it's easier to just, uh, you know, do it virtually, things like that. Eventually, I want to do video, but I gotta like, I gotta actually know about it because I don't really know. Yeah, I also just don't watch a lot of podcasts with video, so. Yeah, and all the ones that I do watch, they're they're always professionally done. Like right. you could tell when you could have a nice camera, but if it's not lit right, it looks. Yeah. Aw- like awful. Yeah, it's a bigger budget for it. Yeah, so that's cool. We're we're doing podcasts at the same. Time. Everybody's doing podcasts. It's yeah. Podcast era. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm gonna take the Verrazano and go through Staten Island on the way home because it seems closer. Mm-hmm. And I've never been on the Verrazano Bridge. It's right here. Yeah, it's literally right down the block, right? Yeah. I went through Manhattan like. Like a jerk, and that's why I hit all that. Track. Oh, yeah, that's what did you come through the tunnel? Yeah, they they were, it was showing me the directions. I was like, I don't need these directions. I'm not gonna go down through like Bayonne to go in the Verrazano and go yeah. through Staten Island. Why am I gonna do that? Yeah, because I'm right here. Yeah, now I understand <laughs> why. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, it said 36 minutes, but then it didn't really mean that. Yeah, no, I did not think you were gonna make it in 36 minutes. I mean, sometimes you get lucky. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it is. it was Saturday morning, um, but, yeah, just depends on the direction, too. Yeah. You, uh, you spend most of your time here, huh? Well, here in the city, yeah. yeah. Um, what theater are you uh, doing the new show at? Uh, at ART. It's on 53rd uh, between, uh, I think, 9th and 10th. Hmm. I don't think I know that one. You know, I was a theater guy. Were you? Yeah, stagehand for like six years. Wow. You didn't know that about me? No, I think I did. I think I did. That was my post uh, film career. Right, <laughs> right. I was like, I'm going to get into film. And then I was a stagehand. And I don't know how that happened. I mean, theater and, and film are, they work hand in hand. I don't even know if any of those theaters are around anymore. I think Abington is the only one mm. that I've worked at that is still around. Yeah, so Abington's still there. Right? That's a nice theater. Well, two theaters. There's two of them. But. Yeah, Abington is, is a nice theater. I've never been in... Uh, I've never performed there, but... I met uh, Maxwell Caulfield there. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I only knew him from uh, Empire Records before that. Oh, I only know him from Greece too. Yeah, that's right. He's in Greece too. <laughs> so, what do you say? Want to be finished, and I'll get to go on the Verrazano, and then part two of this podcast in like ten years will be like, "Hey Jim, how was that uh, trip on the Verrazano?" Yeah, see if you made it out of Staten Island. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm a little intimidated by the bridge, to be honest. It's very tall. Is. Most bridges are tall. Yeah, but I don't know. Like that one just looks kind of scary. Yeah. Actually, 
I shouldn't complain. I've driven on the Pulaski Skyway and that, dude. It's like you're driving in, in the clouds. Yeah, I, I don't really drive that much anymore. Uh, I don't have a car. Um, but, I mean, I used to take the Verrazano a lot. And it, it's fine, you know? It's... I remember... Uh, once I was driving... Because my dad used to live in Jersey. So we would... And my sis, at that point, my sister was living in Long Island. So we'd get my sister... And then we would go to my dad's. <laughs> and I had, I feel like I knew you when I had this car. Because I got the car, like, when I started the film academy. I had this, like, gray Eclipse. I remember okay. that. Okay. It was just, I mean, it was just a sports car because I was 18. And um, so I'm driving my sister and just, like, going really fast. And I don't know why, over the bridge because <laughs> no one's there. And... On the bridge, you know, there's, there's two different lanes, like truck lanes and car lanes. And, and I make this turn, and the turn is kind of like on a slant. And our car, like, comes off its wheels for a second. <laughs> I've done that before. <laughs> and, and I've just never seen, like, the fear in my sister's eyes. Like, oh, this is how it ends. Like, this is, we're going to tumble off the bridge. Oh, my God. Um, and I was just laughing. And, yeah, so that, that's my stuff on the Verrazano. How's your sister doing? Is she still married? She is still married and very happy, yeah. Well, that's cool. She's, she's doing well. Um, she's living in Connecticut now. Um, and, yeah, no, nothing, nothing new to report. She got married during the pandemic. Um, she got married in June of 2020. Um, so they're approaching three years. Huh. That's so, good. Hey, they yeah. made it through the pandemic. They're destined to be together. They forever. they did. Yeah. I think the only time I ever met her was at your dad's house. Probably. I met a lot because she was. Well, well, actually, she was in high school when I met you. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I don't remember meeting her back in the day. No, probably not. Only person she didn't come into the city, so yeah. The only person's sisters that I remember is Catherine and Mark had a sister. Yes, I, uh, Stephanie. Right? Yeah. Um, I I don't know if I've actually ever met Stephanie. Um, I I've spoken with her online, but I don't think I've ever met her, and definitely don't remember meeting Mark's sister. Yeah, they didn't look like they came from. Like they were sister and brother. They look completely different. Oh. And I'm like, you sure you guys are related? But they acted exactly the same. I was like, yeah, you guys are related. Literally Mark, but a girl. I'm like 10 <laughs> years younger. I was like, wow, there's two of you. Yeah, that's... I, I don't feel like my sister and I have that resemblance to each other. I think we go through these phases where we're either like our mother or our father and then we warn the other person like you're turning into mom or you're turning into dad yeah um but yeah i i i don't really i get more like i look like my dad or she looks like my dad but we never get like we resemble each other too much but i do know brothers and sisters who like if you switch their hair they're the same person yeah my best friend growing up his, him and his sister literally could be the same person. Yeah. Actually, what was weird last night, my bass player is with this girl. <clears throat> and it didn't dawn on me when I first met her, but I was outside, I was talking to them, and I have a coat that has like a bunch of crazy buttons on it. Like I have Huey Lewis mm-hmm. and uh, the Angry Beavers, just random stuff. She was looking at them, and as she was looking at them, I was looking at her, and I was like, this girl is my sister. The way she was looking at her mannerisms were so like her. I was like, I got to get out of here. It was freaking me out, man. I was like, you're not supposed to be here. You live in France. What are you doing here? (laughs) Then I told my bass player, I'm like, yo, you got to get rid of that girl. He goes, why? And I was like, she looks like my sister. And it's like freaking me out. 
He's like, yeah, but you don't have to be with her. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care right now. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about the other day how weird it is when people marry people who have the same names as their siblings or their parents. What's even weirder is when people marry uh, people that look like them. True. Which happens actually pretty often. Yeah. <laughs> One of my ex-girlfriends just got married. God bless her. But her boyfriend, now fiancé, looks exactly like her. Yeah. It's like, that's weird. Yeah. And sometimes it happens in reverse. Like, you're with somebody so long, you start to be look like them. I've seen that happen, which is a very weird phenomenon. I knew this guy used to work in this kitchen. Uh, he was like the overseer or whatever. He brought his wife in and his dog, and even the dog looked like them. I was like, this is bad. Dogs do look like their owners sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And I really enjoy that. Yeah. I think there's a whole thing online where people and their dogs, they look like each other and have the same hair and shit. Yeah. I'm just like, this is too much. It's but funny. I mean, do you even notice it if it's happening to you? I mean, if it's gradual, probably not. Yeah. If that ever happens to me, just let me know. I will. I will. Either I'm... cut my hair or the dog's hair or, yeah. you know, break up the girl or something. Exactly. No, yeah. I, I'll, I'll inform you. Please do. And on that note, I think we could wrap it up. All right. Um, yeah, we got we got a lot accomplished today. Learned about the Verenzano Bridge. We did. That was the number one takeaway from today. I think. <laughs> Thank you for being on this. Uh, when people listen to this, hopefully it'll be relatively close to the uh, time that we talked about. Otherwise, uh, hope you had a great show. Thank you. I, yeah. I hope it comes out before then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I heard the reviews were really good. They always are. Yeah, New York Times yes. gave it a raving 10 stars. They don't do 10 stars only. No, only this far in advance. Yeah, they were yeah. like, you know, we love this show so much, we're going to give it six. And then the editor was like, no, 10, it has to be 10. Yes, I agree.